Chani. I'm at Lottie's. And you're listening to Meet Us at Molly's. And I'm excited about today's show because it's going to rock. gonna be all sunshine and roses but I can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride hello shyhards happy Friday um yeah there's a big sag after sized elephant in the room we're gonna get there um welcome to episode 265 we're going back into the vault. This one came to us from a listener. We really just did not know what to record this week. So we put it up to you guys. And somebody suggested doing Plouch's wedding. So that's exactly what we're going to do. It was like one of those episodes where I was like, oh, man, we've never done that before. And then I was like, oh, yeah, we've never done that before. Well, you know what? We've never done it is because it's season four. Yeah. And then I remembered I was like, mm. I know. And I then know. we watched and then I watched it. And I was like, yeah, there's some things in this. I would rather not relive, but yeah. Yeah. So it's Chicago Fire season four, episode 18, titled On the Warpath. This episode aired in 2016. Is that like, that's insane that this was seven years ago? Crazy. Time flies, man. It really does. It really does. Yeah. Big time. So we have a little bit of news, um, some good and some not so good. So yeah. let's start off with the really good stuff. Emmy nominations came down this week and Chicago Med's very own Oliver Platt is nominated for an Emmy. It's That's amazing. Awesome. I mean, I had no doubt he was. I, I kind of figured he would be. Have you watched season two yet? No, not yet. It's but fantastic. this is first technically for season one because season two yeah. was not eligible. So I kind of figured because I've seen season one, but I've not made it to season two yet. There's just so much. I can't keep up with all the stuff happening right now. TV. Oh, uh, yeah. It's wild times. So if you haven't seen or if you're wondering what he's nominated for, no, he is not nominated for Chicago Med. Network shows do not get the love they deserve when it comes to the end. Unless they're like this is us stuff or like yeah. stunts, you know, like that kind of stuff. Yeah. So Oliver is nominated for best guest actor in a drama, not a drama, in a comedy. I'm sorry. Best guest actor in a comedy for, the, for his work on The Bear season one. Uh, he's not the only one nominated from the bear. Um, John Bernthal is also nominated for best guest actor um, in that same category. And John Bernthal plays Carmi's older brother. Um, if you haven't seen the show, season two is fantastic. You should get yeah, on. I know. Running. I need to. I know. I I need to get on it. Yeah. I just so. at this point, I'm like trying to keep up with things that are like currently releasing, like right now as we're recording. Um, you know. But you can say it. The summer I turned pretty. The summer I turned pretty. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the bear will happen. It just is not my like highest. Because I didn't love, season one to me was like good. It was okay. But you know, it took me like a long time to get through it. Oh, the bear? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, I did it in a day. I did the second one in two days. It's just very, it's quick to me. I enjoy it. Um, season two is pretty different theme wise. It's good though. It's a really good shift. Yeah, no, I'm still going to check it out. Like, I didn't hate it, but it was, like, something I wasn't, like, consuming my mind all the time. Like, I think it took me, I don't know, a week, maybe, maybe a little longer. Like, it wasn't something where I was like, oh, my God, I have to go finish this right now. It was just like, okay, I'll get to it when I get to it. I'll finish it. Yeah, so if you've seen the other Emmy noms, um, I think Succession is leading the pack, as always. 
Um, they got a bunch. Yellow Jackets got nominated, which I am over the moon about because I love that show. That's a great one. The Last Ted of Lasso Us got, got a bunch. Ted Lasso got a bunch. The Last of Us got a bunch. Um, the White Lotus. There's one category where it's solely the White Lotus. White Lotus. Suggestion. Yeah, suggestion. Yeah. Succession. Succession. <laughs> suggestion yeah. is the network version of Succession. Yeah. Yeah. That was crazy. I was like, what the heck? Yeah. Yeah, it's so crazy. So it's it and and now it's if if the Emmys even happen, I was gonna say I'd be I'm like curious to see who's gonna win, but well, if the Emmys even happen, so who knows? They'll happen eventually, but it wouldn't honestly surprise me if they happen in twenty four, twenty twenty four. I don't think a lot of things are happening until twenty twenty four. But like I I think they'll happen. I can't imagine they're not gonna have the Emmys. That they're just gonna be like fuck it and like whatever you got nominated, that's great, but like fuck it. I think they'll put it off and I think they'll put it off till they can actually have it whenever that is. It's been a wild week in TV. What a week. Yeah. Yeah. Cause the next bit of news is hot off the press. It's Thursday when we record this just a couple of hours ago, we were watching Fran Drescher in a live podcast on our phones or whatever YouTube devices that we use. And- like press conference, not podcast. Did I say podcast? Oh my gosh, press yeah. conference. I'm sorry. I'm just so used to us. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was a press conference where Fran Drescher basically ripped the AMPTP a new one. Yeah, to shreds. It was fantastic. And it, fantastic in a like, wow, damn, go Fran Drescher kind of way. Yeah, it was fantastic. And I was glad she did this. And like, obviously it needed to be said, but it was also more like, I can't believe this is what we've actually come to. So as of midnight... The Actors Union, SAG-AFTRA, is officially on strike. Yep. Alongside the Writers Guild of America, who has been on strike for months now. 72, 73 days, something like that. Yeah. So now we've got two two of the unions are on strike against the AMPTP. If you remember correctly, the DGA, the Directors Union, somehow struck a deal a while back, but like we're not going to talk about them because whatever. But yeah, we have no actors and no writers. Yep. Yep. And then the night before, last night, Wednesday night was pretty crazy because a lot of the trades were exchanging different pieces. And there was some that people were saying was, you know, studio propaganda. And then there was others that people were saying, that's not true. This isn't true. It's been a wild week. Yeah. It's like, I honestly don't know what to believe anymore. I mean, I have an idea, but you know. The, the piece that dropped that absolutely horrified me was, I don't remember the outlet it came from, but it basically talked about how the, the, the studios were basically like our strategy is to basically make the writers homeless so that they have to come back to the table. They have to come back to work. Yeah. That's horrifying. A lot of stuff, regardless of whether it's propaganda or not, a lot of the stuff that's come out about what's in these deals what's you know the future plans is it's really horrifying like the stuff that came out today about the body scans for the extras how like they pay them for a day and then basically like they give up their rights for forever and they'll never get paid but they their bodies will basically be used forever like that's horrifying oh yeah and wrong and just so many other adjectives it's just i can't that's some that's some dystopian shit right there yeah it's wild it's crazy and i knew obviously eventually people would try not to like use extras less and like pay them less like i i kind of thought that was coming but like i didn't think we'd be at this level this soon and maybe that's just my naivete but 
I didn't think we'd be at that point already. Insane. Yeah. Yeah, it's so insane. But I'm a big fan of, you know, the way that SAG basically just called them out today and was like, hey, look, this is the bullshit that AMPDP offered us. Yeah, I really appreciated SAG's like, this is this is who we are. This is what we're doing. This is our point. Like us, great. Hate us, whatever. We don't care. And, you know, we're basically here till we're here. Yep. Exactly. So I'm looking up on Twitter now the exact criteria that's come out. Here it is. Okay. So there is a, a list of things that SAG actors can and cannot do during the strike. Uh, I'm, I'm pulling it up now. And to my knowledge, I mean, most actors on most of the shows we see are SAG. Yes, I had some questions about that, too. But I think for a majority, like, I think I, I don't know this to be true, but I would assume everyone on the one Chicago shows is, is SAG. Yeah, yeah. I okay, can't imagine they aren't. Okay, here, here's the list. So, uh, and this is from Variety. So um, this is the list of criteria. So it says here, except as set forth in the notice to members regarding non-struck work, all covered services and performing work under the TV theatrical contracts must be withheld, including but not limited to, and then it lists a bunch of stuff. Okay. Principal on-camera work, such as acting, singing, dancing, performing stunts, piloting on-camera aircraft, puppeteering, performance capture, or motion capture work. Motion capture work is video games. So that's this this might affect the video game industry as well. But I mean, but like I know a lot of times it is SAG, but and this is what I'm I don't understand is like, is every time someone does a video game, is like that enough to get them SAG? It's a good or question. Like, obviously, I'm sure there's a whole part of the video game industry that does motion capture work that has nothing to do with SAG. It's like there's so many just overlays and it's it's wild. Now, if you hear singing and dancing, the the in the press conference today, the man who was standing beside Fran Drescher, his first name's Duncan. I didn't catch his last name. Um, I'm looking. Hold, Duncan Crabtree, Ireland. He's the SAG a, after chief negotiator. God, that's a great last name. Yes. My goodness. Okay, so he specifically, you know, he made sure to carve out some exemptions when he when he started his speech today, and one of those was that he mentioned, you know, anybody who does music as their primary job. Uh, and doesn't do you know it, and as long as it doesn't overlap into acting and that kind of stuff they're okay so your favorite artists if they're working on a new album to my understanding they should be okay right if they're doing it like music to be music but if they're also sag they just can't do like the tv stuff like they can do music and put out new music and whatever but like right right yeah so then it gets into principal off-camera work. And so such as ADR, TV trailers and theatrical trailers, voice acting, singing, narration, including audio descriptive services, except as the services may be covered by another collective bargaining agreement. Okay, that's that's legal jargon. Stunt coordinating and related services. Background work, stand-in work, photo or body doubles, fittings, wardrobe tests and makeup tests, rehearsals and camera tests, scanning, don't know what that is, interviews and auditions so now we get into the juicy stuff okay the last part of this says promotion of slash publicity services for work under the tv theatrical contracts such as okay so my first question is what constitutes what what exactly is a publicity service is it something yeah. is it an action is it something you do under the tv theatrical contracts 
So as long as something's not under a network contract, you're allowed to do it? Well, and that's what I don't understand. Like, and is it something that was like created under this last contract? Like, does like we were just talking about this, obviously, is like the big thing is like, can someone go to somewhere and talk about something they did like 30 years ago? And like, I personally, and granted, I'm not in SAG, I have nothing to do with this. So in my mind, it doesn't make sense. Like how someone talking about, I don't know, like 90s con, like the cast from 90210 talking about their time on 90210, like what does I maybe I'm just naive but what does that have to do with anything for like what's currently going on and like the negotiations like what does that have to do with anything well I could see how something like the cheers reunion at ATX I could see how something like that would be considered promoting past work but the thing is the thing about ATX though in my and how I would distinguish those two things is that ATX is basically all the studios and stuff bringing these things to like working with ATX to bring these things together mm-hmm. like ATX could not have happened if it happened two months later no it would have fallen apart because right. all their partners are like Hulu and Amazon and you know whatever and like they're the ones those connections are what brings the programming to ATX but something like 90s con which is a private company reaching out to agents and you know whatever and booking those guests like has nothing to do with the studios so if the cast of 910210 wants to get together and talk about their time on 90210 from 30 years ago and it has nothing to do with the studios i don't understand why something like that can't happen right although 90s con has come out and said that they're still happening because you know it's a private you know 90s con is still happening Epic has come out and said the Chicago thing that's happening next week is still happening. Like, I think they are okay, but it's more of like a, that makes no sense to me. Yeah, yeah. And so this under here where it talks about promotion of contracts, such as, this is where we get really specific. So tours, personal appearances, interviews, conventions, fan expos, festivals, for your consideration events, which are, you know, they happen before award season, panels, premieres slash screenings, award shows, junkets, podcast appearances. Thanks, SAG. Just kidding. We support the actors. Just kidding. Don't throw tomatoes at me. Um, social media and studio so- showcases. So there's two things that, I, first of all, I guess they also said specifically in the press conference, though, that autograph signings can happen. So, again, how does that differ from, like, you go, like, I don't think most people are doing random one-off autographs signings. If they're doing an autograph signing, it's probably happening at a convention. Right. But he specifically said autograph signings could happen in the press conference. Now, my other understanding also- Go ahead. I'd want to add one last thing. Speaking of podcast appearances, what happens? Can all the rewatch podcasts still do their podcasts? I was wondering that as well. Social media was on there and somebody basically put it in the context of somebody like Mershka Hargitay. So she can't tweet about SVU, but she can tweet about like, oh, I went to Starbucks and they screwed up my order. Something like that. Well, yeah. 
But like, if you're ta- if you're if they're saying that like they can't talk about previous work that they've done mm-hmm. theoretically, and like people make money by doing rewatch podcasts and talking about work that they've already done, like, so are all rewatch podcasts just like stopping? It's it's a good question. I mean, it's not under any sort of contract unless the contract is like with iHeartRadio or something like but that's that. What, but that's but a lot of those are though. A lot of the big ones are. Not not necessarily iHeart, although a lot of them are with iHeart, but still a lot of them are produced by X, Y, and Z company. But I guess that's where I don't understand is like, if you told me you were currently on a show that's going to come back supposedly in the 2023-2024 season, I understand you not being able to talk about that show. Like, I understand that Laurie Hawkins cannot go out and talk about Chicago PD. Because he's going to be back next season. I understand that. But I still just don't understand, like, the past projects stuff from, like, again, like, 20 years ago, 10 years. Like, stuff that has literally nothing to do with the current TV environment. Right. That's what I don't understand. No, and there there have been a couple of tweets that have followed from just certain actors, regardless of what they've been in. So um, Sean McGuire, he was Robin Hood on Once Upon a Time. He quote tweeted the Variety tweet and basically said, you know, he said, this isn't strictly accurate. He said, we can attend appearances like conventions with stipulations such as not promoting previous shows or doing press for current or upcoming shows or movies. So if you're planning on going to a convention, don't worry, you don't need to cancel your plans. So they can go to conventions as long as there's kind of like an asterisk on it. But then, no, I mean, and this, I mean, obviously I'd still maybe want to see the actors, but like, if you're not going to be able to like, I guess so you can go meet them, but you just can't talk about the thing that you love them in and can't be like, hey, like, I loved you in Once Upon a Time, like, and he's going to be like, thanks. And, like, that's the end of the conversation. Like, you know what I mean? Do we need to develop, like, a special code language for Chicago next week and be like, hey, Tori, I loved you in that show that took place in the Carolinas about or this the basketball. Is just, like, we're going to talk about, like, what's your favorite book? Like, is that what it'd be like what these conversations are? Right. What are you watching right now? Well, can they even talk about that? <laughs> no. It's what really, were your like COVID said, hobbies? I understand the current and future stuff. That makes total sense to me. All the sense in the world. It's really the past stuff that I just like seems a little, I don't want to say crazy, but like seems a little out there to me personally, but Again, I am not in SAG. I have no idea. I don't understand why that would matter. I am going to text someone who may know the answer to that, though. But... Please do. Yeah, because I, 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 I we could def- desperately use some clarification. I meant to text her earlier, but let me text my friend Laura. But yeah, so I'm a little confused. I mean, obviously, I want SAG to get everything they got, and I have a feeling this is not going to be over anytime soon. So I think the strike just got punted way into the future, think, longer okay. than we thought. I've, I've been thinking about this for a while. Uh, we've always kind of said, you and I have always said January. Like there was no way they were, unless, you know, everything went perfectly. There was no way they were going to come back in 23. Mm-hmm. You and I have just assumed at this point, January. Like, yeah. Do you think though that like, obviously if this keeps going, like, what is the lowest episode count you think they would get? Like, 
10? Like, do you think what you could see is only getting 10? Like, I don't think they'd go lower than that, right? At that point, what's the point in bringing the show back for a season? I think maybe eight, but I no lower than eight. I was thinking 10, so... I think I think 10 is what they would hope for best case. And I think eight is, you know, depending on how how long this goes, I think they kind of just like take a page from streaming and just do eight and call it a day. Yeah. It's bananas. It's it's insane what is happening right now. Yeah. It's like I'm just like sitting here trying to think about like what Chicago Fire looks like as an eight episode season. And I'm yeah. like, what the fuck? No, I know. I'm I'm with you on that. It's just, but and the thing that baffles me here is that okay, if you have one union striking against you, yeah, you you fucked up somewhere basically. Okay, like something's wrong if you did that. You have two unions now coming at you saying, "Hey, do something. We want a fair wage," and the AMPTP is still just like nothing's wrong. They're the crazy ones. Well, and uh, yeah. Oh my God, did you? I guess you saw Bob Iger's comments. Uh, Bob Iger dug himself, he just kept digging himself a hole that got deeper and deeper throughout the day. I was watching him this morning before I left for work. He was doing some interview. I think it was on CNBC. My dad had it on and I was watching and I was literally just like, did he just, what did he just say? I was like, he just, and I was like, I was like, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Just talking about how like, um, he basically put the blame on SAG. And was like, we're offering a fair deal. They're the ones that are like being greedy. Yeah. Well, then the AMTMP was like, oh, well, they need like once they kind of like clean up their act, like then we'll come back and like negotiate. And it was just like, uh, striking is very civil. Like, calm down. Oh, man. And then it was about civilized, not clean up their act. But it was like, they need to get more civilized. And it's like, uh, striking is totally civilized. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the press conference friend was like, this is civilized. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Just wild. And then after he he came after Marvel at one point, I saw that Clark Gregg retweeted him and was like, bruh, like, really? Uh, Said something about like the Marvel TV shows and how there were too many, which like, yeah, that's true. But you can't say that. Like, yeah. No, Bob Iger basically put his foot in his mouth bad no, no, today. I used to like him and now I'm like eh. I'm just starting to I'm starting to realize that like I feel like I feel like billionaires inherently are just like evil I have yet to see a billionaire who's like not embroiled in some sort of scandal yeah I mean I don't know that gets into a whole deeper discussion but it's crazy times out there but we support the actors we support the writers uh, and so in these next couple of weeks, as we learn the terms, exactly what the terms mean of everything, I mean, we're we're treading carefully. We do not want to get anyone in trouble, nor do we not want to be seen as allies. Yes. And we don't want to do any. Yeah, we don't want to inadvertently stumble into dangerous territory. So no, and I mean, I mean, beyond just being allies and beyond, obviously, this goes way beyond the Chicago show. Obviously, mm-hmm. us being fans of Chicago shows like. It's gotten to the point now where we know people who are actually in SAG and this affects their day-to-day life. Same like with the WGA. Like we actually have friends who are in, you know, these unions and this is their livelihood. This is actually, you know, how they pay their rent, how they, you know, 
afford there has to do with their health insurance like this is so much more than just like our shows coming back sooner because we want them and we miss them which we do we really miss them but like this for us at least personally like this is bigger than that this is and way bigger i just than keep that. trying to like put that in perspective of like no like at this point like this is about my friends did you catch the very end of the press conference? The last yes, press I watched question. The whole thing. Yeah, the last pre- the last press question was basically like, "Can you basically dumb this down for the people who you know just want their shows back?" And Fran Drescher yeah. was just like, "How do you like? How, how, why do you think they don't make care? that assumption?" I do think though. I think that whoever that journalist was, I didn't catch who it was. I think his intent or his. I think it was a him. The intention was right because I do think there is a grand population who just doesn't know doesn't care you know like there are a lot of diehards who care and know what's happening about the sag after a you know strike and knows what happened like like us you know like we are actually sitting here just like this is our day-to-day lives like we want to know about it but there's a big population who doesn't know doesn't care whatever so i think the question was right i think they just maybe worded it not in the best way but I do think the question is true that, like, there is a lot of people who don't know, don't care, aren't paying attention. And, like, that's unfortunate because this is a really big – it's not only big for the entertainment industry. Like, they were talking about, like, L.A. is going to lose – I mean, L.A. is really going to get hard. New York is, too, financially. Yeah. Um, Atlanta, probably, you know, all the big places with studios. Like, they're Chicago. Yeah. But L.A. especially. Big time. Um, so, Yeah. It's wild, but yeah, we're, we're still, we're still learning the same way you guys are. We're learning specifics in terms of, you know, yeses, nos, things like that. So yeah, just treading lightly, but yeah, I, I think our hiatus just got punted. Um, I, I think, I think January at the earliest is when everything comes back. I think before this, we were saying, okay, well, well because go ahead. Uh, well, we were saying, you know, maybe late fall at the earliest, but like worst case January, I think that just got punted and now January is the earliest. Because even if you said, okay, the strike ends tomorrow, like the strike, both strikes are done, they're over tomorrow, Mm -hmm. it's going to take them at least a month and a half, and that's, I feel like, being generous to just to get everything going again. So that puts you at, like, September, and then it takes time to film and edit and whatever. I mean, you'd basically be looking at Thanksgiving. If you start, if the strike was over tomorrow, you'd be looking at, like, Thanksgiving at the earliest. Yep. So even now I'm feeling I'm like January kind of feels a little optimistic. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. I actually started thinking yesterday. I was like, so like, do we just keep on binging everything inside or do we have to start rationing content? Like, what are what do we do here? Yeah. It's insane. Okay. So my friend just texted me back. She's been involved with SAG for a really long time and she just said hey just gotta I asked her I said so can you clarify you know basically I was like can actors go to a con or something if it's to talk about like a project from 30 years ago um and she said just she just got off of zoom discussing this thing she said they can't go to comic-con or anything promoting new or past work for studios but what if it's not for studios is my like what if you just get hot like you know asked by a private company to go to a so the okay, so the key term in here is for studios. studios. Yeah. So you can't go to Comic Con because that's the studio sending you. That makes sense. Right. That's why ATX couldn't have happened if it was now because it's all the studios the stu- sending okay. them there. Okay. So yeah, I think it's if the studios send you there, you can't go, or were to send you to something, you can't go. 
So, which is why I think it's different that like Epic can still happen because it's not the studios. It's not the studios. Yeah. It's okay. Okay. I think we have a handle on it then. But let's also remember, you guys out there, I mean, we're embarking on some frustrating times here, but just keep in mind that if you're going to a con, not necessarily Epic, any con that's going on this summer that, you know, contains your favorite from whatever show you've ever seen, if they, if they, if they cancel, it's, this is their livelihood, right? They're not, you know, they're not trying to ruin your weekend, ruin your experience. They're basically trying to project, protect their jobs and protect their futures. Yeah. So just, just things to keep in mind. That was another thought I had today after that. I was like, man, I was like, I'm glad Dallas Comic-Con happened a month ago and not now. Yeah, the Raleigh ones in like three weeks and I'm kind of like, but again, I'm like, but like, can Steve from Blue's Clues still go because he's talking about something he did 30 years ago? Like, what does that have, you know, like, what is that? That's, but I think, I think those are different. I think because they're not studio gigs, I think they can still go. Yeah, and it, it was. That's how I take it, at least. That's that's what it sounds like now after I hear that te- that, that text from your friend. Now it had yeah. been previously explained to us that um, the epic event that we'll be attending next week is it, it, it's it's a special event, basically, is what it is. That's separate from SAG. So, yeah, maybe- she she even just said she said we went into deep dive into this because SDCC is a studio event, unlike '90s Con, who's indie, but they're not allowed to attend either if it's connected to a studio project. If it's connected to a studio project. Right. So if Danielle Fischl goes to 90s Con, all the conversations are going to be about Boy Meets World. Is she get not allowed? Well, that's to what that? I'm saying. It's like, so the 90210 cast, like the whole cast just got announced for 90s Con the other day. Like all of them. Yeah. So you're telling me they can't go and talk about 90210? That's what I don't understand. Yeah. Uh, no, I just asked her a question. I uh, I will get back. Yeah. How did we get here? <laughs> but actually, though. I know. I know. And and, and I, I recorded with two of our pod squad sisters last night. And I was saying, as we were talking about this, was that, you know, I don't ever want to be so successful that I completely lose touch with reality. And these execs are being asked to part with 2% of their profits. 2%. Yeah, like it's, what sh- they're asking for is so small in comparison. Like yeah. they're gonna lose so much more money over the fact that they had to go to two strikes than if they had just like given them what the writers and the actors actually wanted. So crazy! Like, give up your private plane. You shouldn't have it anyway. It's terrible for the environment. You will survive. Yeah. Wow. Like Bob Iger today, I don't ever want to. I don't ever want to be so successful that like I seem delusional on national TV. Yeah, it's crazy, so crazy. But yeah, that's about all we've got for the news. Um, and that's a lot. And a, yeah, there's just and there's going to be more. Obviously, we obviously have a lot of questions. I think everyone has a lot of questions, and I think there will be more answers in the next. 48 72 hours yeah i think all our questions will be answered if i had yeah. to guess so uh i mean you guys know the drill if you see any news send it to us you guys are really good about that we appreciate it thank you um 
the other thing I noticed while we were watching this episode to prepare to record about it is, I mean, you were saying earlier that it just feels like another lifetime ago. But for me, I was watching this thinking I was like, oh my God, it's like, we don't know when we're going to get this back. Yeah. It's like all of our favorite shows just like went off a cliff and we just don't know what's going on. Yeah. Just well, and like, that's why I'm like, and it, I mean, obviously it's the worst. We could not get it back for a whole year. It's true. I mean, it's we don't true. know. Like, I think everyone's optimistic that like, it's not going to take a year and that it may just take, you know, a couple more months. But like, we don't know. Like, we don't know. We don't know. No. Um, I just finished binging How I Met Your Father on Hulu and the season finale of that show dropped this week. Um, and- no spoilers. I'm not going to spoil anything. No, no. Okay. Um, there was a TV line article that came out on like Tuesday or Wednesday night and just kind of, you know, recap the finale and talked about it, but also mentioned that it's an on the bubble show. And as I was reading that, the thought just kind of hit me. I was like, oh no, I, was like, I think this show is going to fall victim to both strikes. Yeah, it might. And that was, I was talking to our friend Christine before we got on, we were talking about Summer I Turned Pretty, which I mean, I feel like that's just like what's on my brain right now. I watch it and now like, too. I'm one of the cool kids. I know. I know. Literally, I feel like that's all I've been talking about with people for like the last like hour and a half. Because it's awesome. But Christine and I were talking about and she was like, I'm really glad that they did some press before all that, you know, like I think that really helped like that they were really kind of going hard on the press before it actually premiered. Because, you know, I was wondering, too, about, like, a show like Sweet Magnolias. They haven't really done a ton of press. No, but they also come out next week. Right. But, like, they didn't do any, you know, nobody was really doing any press. So, like, you know, like, (laughs) there's, I, like, I know, I'm very excited about season three, so I haven't forgotten. But I'm sure there's a lot of people who probably wouldn't know it's coming back unless they see, you know, interviews and things. Um, and it was yeah. really sad too to see that like obviously it has to do with Sweet Magnolias too but like I saw Jamie Lynn Spears was posting a lot because Zoe 102 the like sequel movie whatever you want to call it is coming out not next week the week after and she was like posting all these photos she was basically like you know the strike is coming and like this is the only time I'm going to be able to post it and like that's really sad too that like you can't enjoy the things that you got to work so hard on that every you know because you know, now they're in strike, like, they can't talk about it, and, like, especially a project like that, that's been years in the making, like, fans have wanted it for so long, they've all wanted it for so long, so, like, that entire cast last night and this morning were, like, posting all their behind-the-scenes photos, because they were basically, like, after this, we can't talk about it anymore, so, like, enjoy, here's all our feelings we probably would have put out in two weeks, but, like, we gotta do it now, and I was, like, that's kind of sad. That is sad. That is sad. Can we talk about the summer I turned pretty? Because, like, I've been keeping yes. all of this, like, inside. <laughs> yes, we can do a tiny I'm TV sure round we'll talk about it again closer to the end of season two. But, yes. Oh, my God. First of all, okay, I told Lauren this. I was a little surprised. Like, okay, we know each other really well. Like, we know the way each other ticks. We know what we like, what we don't like. You were surprised I- that I thought you said you wouldn't like it. I'm really surprised. I am. I because I was. I, was I just don't. When I picture you, I don't picture you as like my friend that I go to about all the like teen drama, angsty shit. Like I, that's just not what I picture you. Like that's not 
the friend that I picture you as. Is like I my just TV- don't do books. If you put it in TV format and it's not like ridiculous, something that you know I won't like, I will watch it. No, I know you'll watch it. I just, like I said, I don't, we're not the ones who usually talk about all the like teen angsty love trying. Like that doesn't feel like the shows that you watch to me. So I just wasn't sure if you would like it. I would hope you would have liked it, but it wouldn't have been my like number one choice to be like, this is going to be Gina's shit. Like (laughs) that's not what I would have picked. I would have picked a lot of other things before that. So as I was, you, I was honestly kind of surprised you like Sweet Magnolias too when you watched it. Love Sweet Magnolias. I love it. Um, yeah. So as you guys know, I mean, I got back from ATX and was like, must binge every show that's ever been made ever. So I've been on a tear. And so after like you and Lauren, the last two times we've recorded, you know, once we finish recording, it's usually they talk about books and I just kind of like sit there and like watch TV and I'm like, mm-hmm, uh-huh. Cool. So I finally finished the last show I was watching and I was like, I want to be one of the cool kids. I'm going to start Summer I Turned Pretty. Uh, And I loved it. I loved it. It's such a perfect summer watch and it's a very innocent show. It's so good. I think I've probably seen it like, I don't know, six times now. Like I've seen the first season so many times. It's so good. It's yeah, it's very innocent and pure and it's a it's a perfect summer watch. Perfect. It feels season one, especially to me, because I read these books back when they were coming out. Like I was reading them in high school. Like I, these books mean a lot to me. And season one felt very authentic to the vibe of the books. Like it just felt very, like I felt like as a like longtime lover of these books, I felt very like, okay, like I'm not mad at it. I was like very much okay with it. And obviously, I understand they have to change things for it to work for TV, add things. Like, I got it. I'm not, you know, whatever. I'm a little worried about season two. I'm a little worried, but I'm so excited. It's going to be so good. good. I I mean, it's going to rip my heart out and, like, smash it on the ground in a million pieces, but it's going to be so good. So at this current moment, I have seen about two minutes of the second season premiere. I am, I'm very confident that I am Team Conrad. I'm confident. Right team. Okay, good. I mean, look, I will just say, obviously, I don't know anything about what they're going to do. There's been rumors going around that Jenny Han may, they may change some things and like change Be- Belly's in game. And I'm like, dear God, hopefully they don't do but that. I don't know. It's not cool. Look, Jeremiah is great. Okay. He is a sweet little gentleman, but there is a point in season one where he mentions that his mom basically calls him a golden retriever. And it's completely true. Yeah. Jeremiah is is a boy. He is. He is a boy. He's fine. Conrad's also a boy in the way he handles things, too. But, like... I mean, Conrad is, like, 18 years old dealing with some big stuff. No, I know. And, I mean, I'm a... I've always been a Conrad girly, so, like, I get it. I'm just saying that, like, Conrad also doesn't handle things in the best ways either sometimes the handle though like your mom is sick and then your dad cheats on your mom with his secretary like those are big emotions for an 18 year old probably not sure i know no i get it but i'm just saying he's also still a boy i wouldn't call conrad a man i mean he's more mature than jeremiah which you would expect because he's the older brother but also i mean it broke my heart at the end of season one how, I mean, Jeremiah was just sobbing in the finale. But, I mean, 
I get it. I totally get it. But also Conrad was trying to protect him and that's why he never said anything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just like ripped my heart into. It's so good. It's good. It's really good. Brenda thought I wouldn't like it. No, uh, I did not. Yeah. So it's okay. I forgive you. <laughs> oh, and I'm also, um, I'm three episodes from being caught up on Sex Lives with College Girls, by the way. Wow. Look at you. Although there's news there too. I know. Did Did you see the news or no? Lauren told me that Renee Rapp is not going to be in season three because she's touring. She's not not going to be in season three. She's not going to be a main character in season three. Okay. She's going to, like, she may make, like, a couple appearances, but she's not, like, not going to be in it. It's how I read it. But she's, like, she's on tour with her music, first of all. And then she's doing the Mean Girls musical, right? Like, the movie? But I thought that was already done. Is it? I don't know. I'm very new to the fandom of Renee Rapp. I'm very, very new. I think that's already done. Okay. But, yeah. So, I will see how season three goes with that, too. Yeah, we will. We will. Then I'm maybe I can convince you to watch ne- If you're in your, like, teen drama phase, maybe you should watch Never Have I Ever now that it's done. I can check it out. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to finish Sex Lives of College Girls quickly. I'm I'm a binging machine right no, now. But that's what I'm saying. If you're in your, like, teen comedy drama phase, <laughs> maybe, because that's, like, yeah maybe i mean i don't know if it's so much it's my teenage phase as it is like i'm all about like the light summary watches right now like really good like easy stuff to binge in the summertime i don't know Well, if you want to consider if you think that the summer i turned pretty is light then never have i ever is like i don't know what's lighter than light but like if you consider the summer i turned pretty is light then like it's way up there because I think I consider it light because it's teenagers and a lot of their drama I'm just like well that could be solved if you just said something yeah no but but yeah I don't know I don't know okay shall we move into this episode yeah okay let's do it so as we said it's Chicago Fire season four which like mm, fine um season four episode 18 called on the warpath this is the one with the plouch wedding pretty much all you need to lots know. of other things so it's always funny because like there's episodes you remember for certain things like this one obviously you remember as the plouch wedding but then there's so many things that happen i'm like oh yeah that was it like i just like don't remember them at all until i watch and i was like oh yeah casey just won alderman at this point oh yeah otis kind of had a thing for brett oh yeah blah 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 blah, blah. i'm like oh yeah that all happened i remembered like the the call in this one at the very beginning i remembered that call to a t the minute they pulled up i was like oh this is the vault one where severide gets burned and i was like i still have that knowledge like in me damn yeah it just it is funny though how you like distill these episodes down to one thing and then you rewatch them and you're like oh yeah this 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 and this also happened yeah Yeah, it's a crazy time. So, okay. So let's start off with Casey, which is not something we get to say very often these days. It's it's nice. Okay. So we are fresh off of Casey's Alderman win. Fresh off of it. Now, I feel like the further, the more removed we get from Casey's Alderman era, the further, the more time that passes, the more I kind of agree with everybody who said that the Alderman storyline was kind of ridiculous. Were you not on that train? Not at the time. No. And not even in recent years. I was just like, no, like, I get it. It's cool. I get it. And the further, the more time that passes, the more I'm like, that was stupid. That is so not Matt in any way, shape or form. 
no. I think the intention is there that Matt's obviously always been this, like, good-hearted person who wanted to do right by the community and, like, wanted to do things to better the city of Chicago that he served. Like, I think that part makes 100% accurate. That that part is, like, Matt to a T. Mm -hmm. Matt is not a politics guy. And, like, every time he tried to, like, get into, like, something that was, like, a politics game and, like, you know, all these backdoor deals and, like, that is not Matt Casey at all. Like, at all. Like, it's the politics of it that is not Matt, not the actual, like, job of, like, being good and representing Chicago. Like, that part is Matt. I think, I think the firefighter in him is what drove him to be an alderman is that, you know, he sees a problem, he fixes it, right? That's, it's that simple. That's how Matt operates. And so with this one, he saw a problem and the solution was to become an alderman and get it changed that way. And so he just chased it and didn't really realize the magnitude of it until he was in it. Yeah. So, yeah. But the Alderman storyline, like even just rewatching this, which is obviously really like the beginning of the Alderman stuff, it ain't, it doesn't hit. It's not, it's not Matt. And also, I mean, we've talked about this before, though. It went on way too long. Yeah. It went on like they should have given him a couple episodes, had like a couple of people try to like trick him into backdoor deals. And then Casey just be like, I can't do this anymore. This is not what I signed up for and like quit. Yeah. But instead, they did it for, like, a season or something. And I'm like, no. No, no, no. Season four just... It's a mess. It's such a mess. Oh, man. So, yeah, Casey walks in to 51. Everybody's giving him grief. They're like, Alderman Casey, Alderman Casey. They're all giving him crap. It's cute. So there's an article in the paper about it. And there's a picture of him and Gabby. And it refers to Gabby as his wife. Um, I don't remember we're we're between like proposals two and three at this point I don't even know Uh, so obviously Louie is season like towards the end of this season so Louie hasn't happened yet okay and then obviously they get married 508 509 because that's whatever the 100th episode is yeah so like they're back together after the baby you know the miscarriage but like in that between miscarriage and marriage oh yeah because we're yeah we're we're between the forbidden episode and everything else that's right And the end of season four is what ends you know with matt coming back you know saying he'll help gabby with louie and blah 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 Mm, yeah yep you have a way better memory of like the details of each season than i do so i have the vague ideas you have a better memory though of like this call happened in 418. Like, you have a better, you have, like, a better memory for that detail. I have a better memory of, like, the season plot points. I can still do the thing where I hear a song that was played on One Tree Hill, and I can tell you the exact scene it played in. I can still do, I will still do a certain degree. You I'm can rushing, do it with you know. a lot of it. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. I used to be able to do it by, like, season and episode number, but I, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> When you're a TV fan, you have party tricks and some of them are cooler than others. Anyway, so yeah, um, there's a newspaper that refers to Gabby as his wife. She kind of nervous laughs and like brushes it off. She's like, oh, I missed my own wedding. <laughs> it's so awkward. Really awkward. Yeah. yeah. So Casey is already overwhelmed with the calls and emails he's received. It hasn't even been 24 hours. And so he tries to bring up the newspaper thing again. He's like, so like, are you really bothered that they called you my wife? And she just blows it off. So they get called out to a fire at a wine bar. 
And this was that one where they basically, the, the vault's called, it's called the vault basically. And so, uh, yeah, the minute they pulled up, I just remembered like everything about it. I was like, Seb gets burned. Oh yeah. And so basically the whole thing with this call is that Seb gets burned because the walls went up like abnormally fast. They yeah. ignited way too quick. And so Seb thought he had more time. He didn't, he got burned. So Severite's like, what the hell? Like what, you know, like I thought I had more time. Well, they get back and Casey finds out during overhaul that it's basically the walls were made of this like polystyrene insulation. It's cheap is basically what it is. Yeah. Uh, did you catch though, when, when Sev is sitting on the end of the rig and, and Sylvie hands him ice and everything like it's snowing. Right. And he's still in his short sleeves. And I was like, how did he make it through that whole scene without shivering, even in the slightest? Yeah. I don't do well in the cold. I would have shivered immediately. Uh, yeah, me. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's polystyrene insulation. It's the cheap stuff. And Casey's like, yeah, the city has been trying to ban this stuff for years, but it's technically not illegal. It's just yep. frowned upon. So Casey does some recon work and he tells Severide that the wine bar was renovated by a company called Gallo Construction. I was dying. I obviously have never noticed that before, but that mm. Derek's love for Joey Gallo yep. lives on forever. I love it. Forever. So Seasons before Gallo yeah. was ever thought of. I'm just going to have a little fun with this and maybe assume that this is like Blake's <laughs> uncle or something maybe this is blake's uncle that uh divorced her his aunt oh my god yes <laughs> yes i i just there's got to be some relation with blake in some way shape or form so yeah this guy he's he's bidding on a big city contract he's one of the first this is one of the first measures that matt's voting on so i do love how matt basically cannonballed into the alderman role like didn't read the instruction manual didn't like do any sort of prep work and was just like and i vote fuck you like yeah. Matt just dove right in so yeah and so matt's like i can stop them from getting the contract and seb's like yeah okay all right. He's like, I hope you do, but like, I'm not holding. Yeah. So funny. So John Gallo from the construction company comes by and he tries to schmooze Casey and says all the right things. He's like, so you and me will go golf sometime. And Matt's like, no, no. He's like, I don't golf. <laughs> no. So Gabby pulls up some info and basically most of the aldermen had voted for Gallo in the past, which like, I think it's like 45 out of 50. So this guy basically has like all of the Chicago aldermen in his pocket. Winning this vote. It's a long shot, Matt. Yeah, but guys like Gallo, they'll just keep getting away with things like this until someone stands up to him. Are you going to take him on? Hell yeah. Okay. Then I'm placing my bet on the long shot. This scene, though, I, like, I know, obviously, we talk about how, like, Casey is not an alderman. But, like, this scene, to me, though, just, like, screams Casey and, like, who he is. You know, because, like, at the end of the day, like, we're talking about, like, he doesn't really care about the politics stuff. Like, he cares that people are getting away with things and, like, nothing's going to happen until someone takes a stand. Like, this scene, to me, it screams, like, Matt Casey leadership. Yeah, it does. Especially that line, like, they'll just keep getting away with things until someone stands up to them. Yeah, and then Gabby's like, so you're going to take him on? And he's like, hell yeah. And she's like, okay, then, like, I, yeah. Yeah. I think that's why he went for the alderman position. 
But I think the more, and, and maybe that's why he stayed in it so long was like, he wanted to keep fighting for the little guy, but eventually realized like, I don't fit in here. Right. No, I, like I said, I think Casey's heart was always in the right place. Casey's just not an alderman. Mm-mm. He's just not. He's better off having his heart in the right place, like in the fire department. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, John Gallo, it's just really funny to say Gallo these days. Okay. So John Gallo finds Casey after the meeting and is basically like, hey, nice try, but sorry, you lose. I win. Uh, yeah. And Matt, again, Matt just cannonballs into the whole thing. Matt's just like, okay, well, you suck. And here's all the reasons why. And I don't want to work with you. And I'm going to make sure you get shut down. You yeah. just met this guy, Matt. Like, chill. But yeah, the guy just says he's like, a term is a long time, Matt. We ought to try and find a way to work together. And so, yeah, once again, Casey brings up the newspaper to Gabby at the reception. Said it was crazy. Sometimes thought we were married. But maybe it's even crazier we're not. We have a good reason. Did when you're starting out, but you're not a candidate anymore. That chief would put you on engine at 51. You'd still be at the same house. Matt. I'm. I'm really happy the way things are. We get to be together at work and home. I've got a job that I, I love, and so do you. You don't want more. Baby, you just became alderman. You got a lot on your plate. Let's, let's give it a little time and, and then let the dust settle. Gabby, girl. This is where... You know, we we obviously watch a lot of the old episodes and like looking back on the Dossie relationship, like I used to think that they were pretty good up until season six. And then obviously they took Gabby like way downhill in order for her to peace out. But they're pro- they really had a lot of problems earlier on that I think just get gloss over. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think this highlights that, you know, I wish they had dove a little bit more into exactly why she didn't want to get married just because i mean it's okay to be scared of change but you know she couldn't really uh it's tricky right like she she was happy where they were and she was worried that you know changing that was going to mess things up but i wish they had dove a little deeper into that instead of her just being like i don't want to get married and then casey being like uh because when, I, when you look back on it, like looking back on it now, I'm just like, man, I'm like, was Gabby always selfish and we just missed it? Well, there's no problem. The thing is, is like, there's no problem with you being happy, like her being happy where they are at mm-hmm. and Casey just not Casey wanting more. There's no problem with, I wouldn't even call that selfish. There's no problem with Gabby being okay with where they're at and like yeah. being content in that. I think what I didn't realize until, especially even now, like rewatching this scene is that they've always had, like, their problems have always been that, like, they're not on the same page. Like, Gabby's always been like, okay, I'm kind of content, or, like, let's not fuck this up, like, you know, my career, or this, or whatever. And Casey's, like, always wanted to get married, always wanted to have kids. Like, yeah, it may take a little time to get there, but, like, that's always been his end goal. And I think 
there was just never, like you said, maybe a, the, enough of them conversating about what they actually want, regardless whether it takes a year to get there, five years to get there, 10 years to get there. Like, what do they actually want at the end of the day? Because I think if they'd had that conversation, they probably would have realized they weren't meant to be. Right. And because I don't know if they really wanted the same things at the end of the day. Yeah. And and we saw time after time, we, we saw Casey compromise with Gabby because oftentimes Gabby would either storm ahead and do what she wanted and then just leave Matt in the dust. Uh, mm-hmm. And then Matt would have to catch up. That's kind of what we saw a lot of the times. But I'm trying to think if we ever saw a time where Gabby compromised for Matt. I'm not saying it doesn't exist. I'm saying I don't remember if there has been a time. I'm sure there has been. I'm not going to say there's not because she was on the show for six seasons and Mm -hmm. they were in a relationship or on and off at least for most of that. So I'm not going to say they're not. I just, like I said, I just, the more that we watch all this old, all these old episodes, like, and especially watching this conversation specifically, the more I realized I was like, they were, they're just not on the same page. Like they just, they're just not. And I think, and again, season six, their whole problem was just communicating. And, you know, if they had really just been honest about their feelings and, you know, whether they worked out or not, but like they needed to talk about it. Even here, like they probably should have vocalized this a lot more than the whole episode being jokes made because you don't want to talk about your feelings. Right. Right. It's also really funny in these episodes to watch Brett and Casey, like, not even give a shit about each other. No, like, like, literally, I mean, he even said, like, at one point, like, Gabby's like, okay, like, Sel and I are gonna go stay at Brett's, you know, blah, blah, blah. And Casey's, like, looking at his paper, and he's like, yeah, that's great, you should do that, or something (laughs) like that. And I'm like, oh my god. Yeah. Let alone, like, fast forward to the end of season 11, and Casey's down on one knee proposing to Brett. Like, it's just, like, wild. Who who was the quote from at the end of this past season saying that Brett and Casey had been in love the entire time? And we were like, uh, I, I disagree. I don't remember. I don't even, I do remember that quote, but yeah, I I mean, I'm even like a diehard Brettsy fan and I can say that is not accurate no. in the slightest. No. They didn't even, re- I mean, and I love them, but like they didn't really, for the most part, didn't look at each other till season seven. So. Yeah. Yep. If anyone who says that is, I feel like lying, but yeah, like, yeah. What show have you been watching? Cause every scene those two have in these early seasons, they're just like, yeah. yeah not saying that, you know, neither of them were in great relations, you know, their relationships before them didn't work out, but like, yeah. So yeah. funny. So then we've got the plouch wedding. Sweet. This sweet is babies. wild. This is like, this is like another Kelly Severide. This is like Kelly Severide from an alternate. I, I literally dimension. was watching this and I was like, who is this guy? Yeah. <laughs> like, who is this guy? And what happened to our like now much more quiet, reserved, like introspective Kelly? Like, I miss him. I miss him so much. <laughs> like, yes, so much. Carry away. Okay. So the episode starts and the plouch wedding is in like, two or three days four days whatever and mouch is struggling to write his vows my favorite part though is that he's like trying to use quaker vows because he's like they're basically (laughs) so they're they can't offend trudy so like it you know there's nothing i could go wrong by using quaker vows hysterical when you know that like i i feel like trudy would love nothing more than mouch writing absolutely like filthy smutty vows she would she would love that 
Right. And I have a feeling, though, that, like, if we took Match from, like, today or, like, you know, current seasons and, like, put him in this, Match would write, you know, <laughs> a more smutty version of his vows. But the Match of season four, no way. <laughs> but it is really funny. Also, Match is now best man list because Trudy's brother got put on a no-fly list. That's the guy who did the bachelor party, right? It is, yes. Okay. That's what I thought. I thought that was her brother and not, like, a nephew or something. I want to so, know that story, though. Or do you? Or do I? Yeah, true story. Or do you? Careful what you um, wish so, for. So, of course, Mouch asked Herman to be his best man, which, like, makes all the sense in the world, uh, you know. Of course. But Severide's, like, over in the corner. He, like, can't help but make all these comments. He's like, well, if you still want a way out, I got you one, you know, whatever. And I'm just like, oh, my God, the old Severide. Yeah. It's so, like, anti-woman, anti-relationship, anti-everything. And I'm like, who are you? So, because of Trudy's brother's absence, a spot on the guest list has now opened up. So, Mouch invites Stella, which also, it's like, oh, yeah, Stella's only been around for, like, three episodes now. Of course, she probably doesn't know Mouch enough, well enough to be invited to the wedding. Like, crazy to think about. Yeah. And so, of course, Stella's like, yeah, sure. And she matches like, oh, great. You'll be at table three with Trudy's girlfriends and Severide, which like, that's a combination. But, and she's like, oh, you better bring your A-game, Severide. And Severide's like, that's all I got. And she's like, so breaking and entering is your A-game. And the look on everyone's faces, because that's where the conversation stops before they get called out on the wine call. The look on everyone's faces is pure gold. So wait, let's think about this for a second, that, Mouch and Trudy put Severide as the only guy at the table of Trudy's girlfriend. So, like, if Stella hadn't been there, was Severide going to, like, land a cougar that night? (laughs) Or their thinking is that Trudy's girlfriends all know better than to, like, even, you know, they're like, we don't want Tim. Like, this is the exact opposite of what we want. So, like, they'll be safe there. Maybe, yeah. (laughs) What exactly was the logic there? Well, and then, of course, it's funny because, like, at the end of the episode, they all, all the people from 51 ended up at the same table anyway, and it doesn't look like one of those scenes where, like, you know how people, like, get up and, like, go dance and then someone else will come sit in that person's chair? Yeah. It doesn't even look like that one of those scenes. It's, like, everyone was sitting in their original spots, but whatever. I don't So, later on, after they come back from the fire... Bowden finds Mouch in the bathroom, and Mouch is exaggerating this injury to the eye. There actually is no injury. But he's like, oh, he's like, do you see this, blah, blah, blah. He's like, I think it affected my corneal abrasion from the last time, blah, blah, blah. When when the fire engines collided in season three. Yeah. And, I mean, he's really, he's like, maybe we'll have to push back the wedding three days from now. I mean, he's trying to push back the wedding. That's really matches in game he's trying to push it back mm-hmm. and literally my favorite thing though is Bowden's like Mouch I don't see a damn thing wrong with your eye he's just <laughs> like stop he's like this is stupid stop so Mouch shows up to Molly's and sits next to Severide Herman's at the bar and Mouch is like the wedding is off and Herman's like Mouch what the hell did you lose your mind and Severide's he, like he came to his senses that's all and I'm like oh my god again Old school Severide, not my fave. Yeah, who is this guy? Who is he at? Yes. 
And he's basically worried that Trudy will dump him because once she realizes that he's not, like, super sophisticated in culture like she thinks he is, that, like, he really just wants to, like, go home and chill out and eat ice cream. Like, that's really all Mouch cares about. <laughs> and Herman gives him a peck taco, only in the way that Herman can. And Herman's like, listen, like, I've been doing this for 22 years. Like, it really, basically, after the wedding, it's normal anyway. Like, you don't have to worry about all this bullshit, blah, blah, blah. And, like, Severide's still sitting there just, like, piping up, making comments about how he's like, Mouch, you know, I can get you out of here if you need me to. And it's like, shut up, Severide. Like, just stop. Yeah, we've come so far. We really have, though. We really have. Um. So then later on, back at shift, like, the next shift, Severide runs into Sela in the locker room and she's like, oh, he asked her if she's bringing Grant because he's like, I, if you're bringing Grant, like, that's great, but I should probably, like, switch tables. He's like, I don't need to be getting stabbed. And Well, no, not even getting stabbed. He was like, last time I saw him, he, yeah. he like, came at me with a banjo or something. Yeah, I was like, it. oh, yeah. that hasn't even happened yet. Yeah, the stabbing has not happened yet, but none of that stuff has happened. Um. And so, yeah, she's like, no, well, we're not really together. Like, I finally made a clean break. And then they just go into, like, full flirting mode about, you know, what she's wearing. Like, they go full flirting. And it's like, oh, my God, the early days of Stellaride. Yeah, I love the crack she makes about, like, if all his exes show up to the wedding. And I'm just thinking, I'm like, there's not a table big enough for all of his exes. he probably doesn't really have anyone he considers exes because like when was the last time he had a girlfriend at that point renee i don't even re- yeah probably yeah. i mean unless he probably well, no no, no he season- got married before no britney was before that britney he got married what season was fbi girl with the son jj because she he slept with her at one point too oh shit no that's four that is four because he's in the middle of getting demoted shit yeah that's four and then Brittany. So no, Renee was not the first. No. no he got Renee, married in three, so. Renee hadn't come back yet. No, Renee comes back in. Like six. later. Yeah. Six. Because we were doing the podcast then, so six. Oh, yeah. Yep. And Stellaride uh, was together. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, but yeah, hardcore early days of Stellaride flirting. It's chef's kiss. The only good thing about season four. But actually, though, it's Stella. So yeah. Matt shows up to the wedding. He makes it. He's committed at this point. He's like, I'm ready. He's like, I got this. But Trudy, Trudy's now the one freaking out in the back room. And Gabby and Burgess, what a combo, trying mm-hmm. to calm her down. <laughs> and Trudy's freaking out basically for the same reasons that Mouch was, that she thinks that she's going to have to continue doing all these things that she doesn't want to do once they get married. And like I said, Gabby and Burgess are trying to calm her down. At one point, Trudy starts drinking straight from the vodka or whatever bottle that was. She takes out, like, the boob cups. She's, like, having a pink attack. And she goes, I don't even know why I'm talking to you two anyway. You can't even lock down a man. And then Burgess takes, there's the infamous gif of Burgess, like, taking the shot, drinking straight from the bottle. So good. It's a, yeah. I mean, Burzik was in shambles at that point. Actual shambles, yeah. Yeah, I, I think they had just taken their break. End of season three, so yeah. Yeah. Yeah, very funny. Still hilarious. Yeah. yeah. Actually, so, yeah. And then, basically, so Trudy and Match get married. All is well. That ends well. They're happy and, you know, in love, dancing on the dance floor, blah, blah, blah. 
So then we get this scene that I was talking about with like all of 51 conveniently now at the same table. They weren't actually supposed to be at. And Stella tells everyone the story about Severide sneaking into her house. Or, you know, showing up to her house. He didn't sneak in, but you know what I mean. But, no, but he kind of did, though. He, like, the key was under the mat. And then he, like, somehow right. got on the roof and rappelled down. No, that didn't actually happen, remember? I thought the rappelling part was still true. Uh, the, I thought the swap part wasn't true. Oh, I thought the rappelling part wasn't true. I thought he just found the key under the mat. Is the rappelling part still true? Maybe we need to watch that scene again. Maybe I need to rewatch the scene. I again. feel like both parts of that sound ridiculous. Like rappelling down the roof sounds ridiculous, but Severide sneaking in also sounds ridiculous. Like, I mean, he was drunk. No, I know, but like, there's a certain line that like not even drunk Sev would co- would cross, and I feel like that's one of them. Yeah, especially like, if he to- knows that she's married. Now, granted, early Sev would early Sev have respected that? Probably not. Maybe he did. I'm like going back. I was just Googling trying to see if I could find a timeline. And this is like a review. This is like a timeline thing from NBC. So like official. It says, you know, blah, blah, blah. They met each other years back at the Fire Academy. Flash forward to Match's wedding. Kid reveals Severide made a grand romantic gesture when they were trainees. According to her, he came to her home and was rappelling down from the skylight while singing Frank Sinatra's This Love of Mine. Maybe he did actually do that. They were in the academy together? I think they just... I think that's just NBC not knowing really what they were talking about. I was going to say, because Gabby and Stella were in the academy together. No, they were in the Ambo. They didn't go through the fire academy together. Because Gabby wasn't a firefighter until we saw her in the academy. I thought Stella was in the academy at the same time. Like, that time where we met Daisy and all that stuff. I just figured Stella was there, but we hadn't met her. No, I think Stella had been a firefighter for a lot longer than that. Hmm. At least that's how I... Yeah, I think it was... Yeah. Questions that we're never going to get the answer to at this point, because we're going to be on strike for forever. I think Stella actually... I think Stella's story is correct. That he did actually repel down. That's at least everything that I'm reading says it's true. Okay. I, I thought she was being like funny about it, but maybe not. I remember when this aired, like I, I, I did I, I went on a tear for a little bit about Severide. I who knows why, but I remember at one point I went so far as to be like, Severide doesn't respect women. That's not true. But hearing this story in this episode again, I was like, okay, that's not as bad as I remember it. But also repelling off someone's roof is a little creepy. Yes, no, definitely. And I mean, you know, it's one of those things, too, where it's like, I don't know if I would do that necessarily when I was drunk. But like, that doesn't give you an excuse either just because you were drunk. Yeah. It's an oddly specific firefighter thing to do when you're drunk. (laughs) But actually, though. Yeah. Yeah. Normal people wouldn't do that. Normal people would not do that. One of those baby mosquito things flying around and like trying to kill it. It's not working. Go away. Ugh. Whatever. Anyway. Okay. So last up, we've got Brett and Borelli and Otis. Oh man, I completely forgot about one eye Jimmy. I forgot. 
Jimmy was still around. And it's so funny, too. I don't know if you have this, but when people call him Jimmy, I honestly almost have to call him Borelli because when people call him Jimmy, I start thinking about Jimmy Nicholas. And I'm like, that's not the same. I was like, yep. I'm not. But like, that's what I think of now. And I'm like, Borelli. Really, or one-eyed yeah. Jimmy or whatever, but yeah. Yeah, I've just always called him one-eyed Jimmy, and thankfully it's I know stuck. you have. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, God, what a horrible way to exit. I was just glad, though, that we didn't have to endure Chili, but Chili's gone by this point. I mean, if Chili's the worst fire character, Borelli's the second worst. Should we do a ranking at some point of the worst fire characters? Or the have worst characters? done this before? The worst characters? And Gorsh was, like, the number one. Didn't we do a Twitter poll? Oh, that was a Twitter poll. We did do a Twitter poll. Yeah. I forgot about that. Just I was see, thinking about an episode, but yeah. Season four just was not good. It just wasn't good. No, but Chili is up there to me. Yeah, but Borelli's not far behind. I don't think that Borelli's even the, not the, I mean, he's just boring and like, there's nothing great about him. So I guess in that part, if you want to call him one of the worst, then yeah. But like, he's not evil. Chili wasn't evil. And Chili became a fucking bitch. She was grieving. I don't think that makes her evil. Mm, She was a bitch. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Okay. So we start this one out and Otis. Yeah, Otis. He's trying to ask Brett out. We're in this little quick three episode window where Otis has a thing for Brett. Yeah. And then you like think about it and you're like, oh yeah, that was after he and Brett dated Cruz, but like before Brett and Antonio and you're like thinking about all the, it's like, oh man. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Otis is trying to get, ask Brett out and she basically just ignores it. She just doesn't catch that he's asking her out at all. And so Brett and Borelli, they get called to a gunshot wound. I forgot how like traumatic this call was for her. Yeah. So I really had forgotten about this call period until it happened. And then I remembered, I was like, oh yeah. So this guy got shot in the leg. And so Brett's like, okay, well, go get the stretcher, call dispatch, do the do all this stuff that means you're gonna be away from me. And so Borelli goes around the corner, goes back to the ambo, whatever. And so as she's trying to treat him, another guy comes up, aims the gun like point blank at the guy, shoots him like four more times, and then points it at Sylvie. So he basically is like, give me your ID. And Sylvie's just frozen. She hands over the ID. The guy basically just says he's like, not a word, Sylvie Brett. And so when I Jimmy comes back and he's like, the fuck just happened? And everybody thinks the guy's dead, but he's not. He's still alive. And so Sylvie is frozen, which like, yeah, that's pretty. That would be me traumatic. too if I were in her position. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah they get him to med and like even then you know he's like checking on jimmy's checking on her and she's like no i'm I'm fine i'm fine i'm like dude i would need a minute to like go into a room and just like let the panic out and then recover yeah. like yeah damn so yeah um april gets there and april basically tells him like he didn't make it and so brett's scared out of her mind because she's like dude this guy knows where i live like yep yeah and so Borelli just says he's like well why don't we talk to Antonio first I completely forgot the timeline here and I was like Antonio yeah and it had not even dawned on me that like Bertonio hadn't even happened yet no that happened season five. Oh my goodness yeah 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, and this so- is also too, like, it's like kind of in that weird phase too, where like Rhett kind of had a thing for Borelli too, remember? For like two seconds of an episode, because like she touched on yeah. it and then never we covered about that. It again. We covered that episode. Yeah. I think that was Stella's first episode, why we covered it. I think that was it. But yeah. But it's like also in that weird phase when you think about though. Like, obviously, at this point, Raleigh's still a pretty decent guy. Like, I mean, you know, a little boring, but, like, decent guy. And so he cares a lot about Brett. That's obvious. And you're, like, thinking about, like, oh, yeah, she wants you to have a crush on him. It's just, like, when you think about everything that had happened is going to happen in the future, it's, like, a weird to think about that, like, oh, yeah, she had a crush on Raleigh, too. I think that was one of those storylines where, like, they tried it and then pulled it back immediately. Yeah. I think this whole this whole storyline for Sylvia was something that they tried and were like, never mind. So yeah, uh they go to they go to the 21st and they're trying to find Antonio. He's not available, which that was another thing. Since I'd forgotten the timeline, I was like, don't you just like have his cell? Like, why are you going to the 21st? Well, what did cross my mind is like, even if he, she doesn't have his cell, like I guess she doesn't she doesn't really want to talk about it with like Gabby or whatever, but like you could just go get it from Gabby. Yeah. But, you know, but yes, they are not, they've not been romantically involved yet. So she does not have it, I guess. So crazy. So Brett goes out to the Ambo at Med and she like looks off in the distance and she sees the guy like coming towards her. I'm not like, I don't know if like she thought she saw him or he was actually there. That's still kind of a mystery. I think he was actually there and then he saw that she was running and then he was like, I, this ain't gonna work. And he like peaced out. Yeah, so Sylvie sees the guy and she runs back into the building, but she runs square into Jimmy first. And so she's basically like, well, shit, we got to talk to Bowden because like he knows we went to the cops. And they go to Bowden and Bowden is in dad mode. Right, what's going on? Chief, I know I should have said something to you sooner. Sooner. You should have called me from the scene. I would have met you at Matt. Not left your side until I was sure that you were safe. Damn it, Brett. My job is to take care of my people. How can I do that if they're not being upfront with me? It's gonna be okay, Brett. We're gonna figure this out. Something about when Bowden says he's like, my job is to take care of my people, I was like... It made me a little emotional. I was like, oh my God, Bowden. I want to be part of 51. I was like, I want Papa Bowden to take care of me. Like, I love him. Yeah. Yep. So at that point, that's when Antonio shows up. So we get, of some, course. Yeah. We get, we get a Dawson siblings moment. Yeah. The way that we don't have any more siblings in one Chicago, it's fine. I'm don't fine. remind me. Watch, they're going to, somebody's going to bring in some random sibling next season i still say they missed the biggest opportunity of making violet and kai related they missed it yeah but watch we'll get violet's like long lost sister next year or something (laughs) yeah so yeah antonio shows up gives them some info this guy was a part of a crew out of detroit they came to pull a job and things went badly so as most rational adults do when it comes to problem solving they just shot each other yep yeah so 
uh, Antonio basically shows him like the iPad and is like, okay, can you identify any of these guys? And Brett pinpoints it. She's like, yeah, it's this guy. And so Antonio realizes like who it is and is like, okay, well, we need to make sure this guy like never gets to you again. So Borelli offers Brett a ride after shift, which is sweet. And then Odin, Otis comes out right after. And, you know, he's disappointed, but that, you know, the, asking her out didn't really work. Um, but, you know, he says, he's like, if it wasn't Phantasm, you know, it would have been something else. He's like, I stated my intentions. I shaved my mustache. Truth is, it just isn't happening. Oh, Otis. That's like, honestly, I never, I don't even remember that line. But as soon as he's like, I stated my intentions, shave my mustache. I was like waiting for something else to happen. And that was the end of the sentence. And I was like, okay, stated oh, my intentions, shave my mustache. Check and check as one does. That has to be one of those things where if like we ever do another like who said it game, that has to be one of the lines. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Oh goodness. So Stella and Gabby, they go sleep over at Brett's. They're PD's outside protecting her, all that good stuff. So Gabby is talking about the whole Casey thing. She's like, I'm good. Like, I'm just I'm happy. Things are fine. And Stella and Brett are just kind of like, okay. All right. It's like one of those things where it's like, of course, you tell your girlfriends before you actually tell the person who you should be having this conversation with. But like everything goes to the girls first. Yeah. Yep. And it's like it always bugged me how awkwardly they're sitting like in the center of the room, just like they're like sitting straight up with their like beers or whatever. It always just like that scene just feels really forced. Like, well, it is it is kind of weird to think, you know, about like where they're at. Like, obviously, Gabby and Brett aren't partners anymore. They weren't partner, you know, they hadn't really been partners for that long because, mm -hmm. you know, Gabby was in the middle of going to the academy and then, you know, Brett was partners with Mills and then now she's partners with Borelli and Chili. You know, she she and Gabby really haven't been partners for a while yet or even at all. And like Stella's like three episodes in. So like the friendships between all of them, like they're there, but they're still very new. You know, they're still figuring out a new dynamic. Like it's yeah. such in the early days where if like this was like the end of season six, it would be like a completely different conversation. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So at that point, they start talking about, you know, the men, whatever. They're talking about Casey and Brett gets a call and it's that Dale guy. Um. Yep, because that's creepy. not creepy at all. Yeah, no, he's basically like, oh, the cops can't watch you forever. So on shift the next day, Bowden gets an update and they they found the phone. It was a burner, of course. Um, and then after the call, it went completely dark. So they don't have any other leads. And so Bowden is basically like, okay, Gabby, you need to work this shift with Jimmy. And Brett's like, no, like, wait, why are you benching me? And Bowden is such a dad in this moment because he's like, she's like, but chief. And he's like, please don't argue with me. And he says it so calmly and like that dad voice of like, don't fuck with me. Well, again, he's like, I'm not punishing you. I'm taking care of you. And it's like, mm -hmm. oh my God. Papa Bowden. Bowden forever. 61 then gets called out for a gunshot wound and Gabby and Borelli start checking him out and Borelli finds Brett's ID. And so they keep treating him, but yeah, uh, you know, they, they find a gunshot wound on his head. Cause like, basically he's not breathing. And Gabby's like, I can't figure this out. Like, why, why is he not breathing? But like, they continue to treat him. And then Borelli finds out that he had been shot in the head. Um, and yeah, his skull had been fractured. He was already dead. And so Antonio brings in Brett to ID the body and it is him. It's the guy. So yeah, Jimmy just mentions, he's like, it felt wrong giving it our all to save a guy like that. And Brett just goes, yeah, I don't know if I would have. You guys yeah it's hard i mean like it's hard but like i do kind of feel like i'd understand where brett's coming from you know it's like 
this guy tried to murder me. Like, why do I want to, you know, even though that's my job is like, but like, I don't know if I would have been actually able to save this guy's life after he tried to murder me. Yeah. Like, I get it. It's complicated feelings. Yeah. This was just so abrupt. Like, what was the point of this? Because she gets traumatized and then instead of like dragging it out for episodes, they're just like, oh, and he's dead. There's nothing to worry about anymore. Well, I don't remember because obviously we don't go back and watch season four, but like in 419, is she still feeling the ramifications of this or is it done? I don't remember, but I, I don't I'm remember. willing to bet it's done. I have to go back and watch, but I don't want to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I so, have to go back and watch, but no, thank you. No, I just, I try to pretend that season four doesn't happen. You know, no. eventually though, we're going to have to hit all the season four episodes except for 404. And I'm like already dreading that day no <laughs> I, I no i refuse like literally just one day eventually we will have to hit four season the rest of season four what if we hit season four of a different show any show <laughs> imaginary shows that don't exist we can just make a show up we can make season four of an imaginary show yeah oh redo our ideal season four of chicago fire yes oh i like that idea so much better where we redo season four i like that idea yeah we should we should do that even i mean we've got now probably the next six months so we've got a lot of time on our hands y'all yeah if you guys want to hear us come up with our own ideas of for season four let us know yeah (laughs) so the episode ends with otis meeting this girl at the plouch wedding and they immediately hit it off like she speaks russian they've got this like vodka happening and they have a back room hookup yes otis yeah it's one of those things too where it's like okay the Molly's is close to a wedding, so she has to know either Mouch or Trudy, right? Yeah, she wouldn't have just come in. She, yeah, she's not just some, like, random bar attendant, so who is she? Mm-hmm. And it's like, why has neither one of them ever introduced her to Otis before? True. I hope Otis is, like, living his best life in Chicago heaven. When Chicago heaven, man. Too many of our faves up there. Did you see Al was in this episode, too, for a second? Yes! I was coming. I mean, granted, it's, I get why they didn't have more people, but it's, like, one of those things where it's, like, man, like, you know who else, like, there were other people who probably would have been there, like, the rest of the PD cast. Brenda, that's what we should do as a hiatus episode, is we should imagine, like, the pilot of Chicago Heaven. Oh, my God, yes. I'm writing these ideas down. Hold on a second. This is the first thing I can find. All right. So, we got, we do season four. Or plot out one Chicago heaven. Yes. Because so many of our faves are up there. It's true, though. We did have a good, solid, at least baseline. We did start thinking about it. I'm still very much in my head about, like, Shay helping Justin woo Nadia. Like, that's definitely still up there in my one Chicago heaven ideas. Yeah, for sure. And that's the episode worst season four episode like i obviously really like the plot wedding it's just it's still season like four said, it's season four it's not perfect by far honestly the thing that was most starking to me is severide like the looking at like especially because severide in this episode is such prime like single severide with like all his comments and it's just like no oh, severide 
you'll change. You look how look how far you come. Like yeah, he's come a long way. So yeah, I think that's about all we've got for today, you guys. Um, yeah, U- usual stuff. You know where to find us: Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, TikTok. We're on Threads now, but more of as like a break glass in case of emergency kind of thing. I know I'm like so bad about. Like, I started Threads, but, like, I, and I feel like a lot of people are using it, but I just, like, I haven't been scrolling on there. I mean, it's just too many platforms. Like, and it's pretty much going to be the same stuff you see on Twitter anyway. Or Instagram. Or people then put their threads in their Instagram stories, and I'm like, okay, well, then why do I need to go on Threads? You're just making more work for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like so. Threads is more for the people who never actually got on Twitter. True. Like, Possible. I feel like if you were already on Twitter, you're not probably, like, super big on threads. But, like, if you were not really around on Twitter, then, like, you're like, oh, yeah, threads. Let's do threads. And it's like, guys, you could have been doing threads for, like, the last however many years now. Yeah. So next week, it won't be a normal week where we post an episode on a Friday. We will be at the Epic event. You will see us there on Saturday. Um, If you see us and you listen to the pod, please, please, please say hi. Please don't worry. You're not bothering us. It won't be awkward. If you see us, please just say, Gina Bernard, hi. Or, you know, just say hi to us, please. We would love to meet you. Love, love, love. Um, yes. Yeah, we, we will be there. So um, we've got some stuff lined up. We'll we'll bring you an episode, but it probably won't be until early next week. Um, but yeah, we'll be there. You so, mean the week after that? That's what I meant. Yes. Words are hard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, but yeah, if you see us, please say hi. We would love that. So yeah, um, that's about all I've got otherwise. So in the meantime, follow us individually on Twitter. I am at Gina Watches TV, Bryna. I'm at K 13 Everybody have a great weekend. Rest up and we will quite literally see you next week. Bye.